right, we're going to go ahead and get started in our week two of our resharpening series. Uh, we started a brand new series last week. Um, really, the verse that we're using is kind of our theme verse for the entire series is Ecclesiastes 10.10. And this is what it says. It says, adult acts requires great strength. Be wise and sharpen the blade. I didn't talk about this last week because I'm going to talk about it this week, but uh, I have a very cool item in my bedroom. Uh, it is a gift that I got, I think, for, I can't remember if it was my birthday or Christmas, but I've had it for a couple years, and, and I do have an excuse. We, we have kind of been through a, a, the last year has been a little weird, obviously, and so things have changed a little bit, but I do have something really, really cool in my bedroom that my wife and my son gave me, and it is a hatchet. And it is a cool hatchet. I, I wanted to take it when we go backpacking or when we go camping and all those sort of things. But there's one problem with my hatchet. It has never been used. It is sitting there and it is nice. It is sharp and it is ready to go, but it's never been used. When we talk about resharpening and the things that we're going to focus in on in our lives over the next couple of weeks, we have to remember these are things that we use. I mean, if, you, if, if, if I said, listen, how sharp is this area and you've never used it, it should be pretty sharp. If you go buy a pocket knife or a knife or anything like that at the store, it's going to be fairly sharp when you buy it. What makes it dull is use. And so these things are important because as we use them, they're going to get dull. Being dull isn't necessarily the issue. The issue here is understanding that we need to sharpen our blades. We need to take these areas of our lives and sharpen them. And we looked at this last week, and we're going to talk about it throughout this series, but here it is. When the axe in our, is sharp in our lives, we are more effective. When the axe head gets dull, we get less done with twice the effort. And there's so many areas, I think, that we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks where, where that things have kind of gotten dull. And, and we need to just keep them sharpened. It, it, because, because what that does is it's going to help us accomplish more for God, more for the kingdom, and do some really awesome things. But it'll be a lot easier if our blades are sharp. So we have been talking about the last couple of weeks some of these areas that I believe God's laid on my heart that we need to sharpen that can get dull if we're not careful. This week we're going to be talking about this one, and it's quite simply this. We need to resharpen our words. Resharpening our words. Look at Proverbs 18.20. In Proverbs 18.20 and verse 21, this is what it says. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Chapter, and then verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Pray with me for a second. Father, we, we love you and we thank you for this time. God, we know you're here. We know you're moving. We know you're speaking. And Father, we desire for that to continue. God, we desire for my words to stop and yours to begin because, because your words have power. We're going to talk about how our words have power, but your words have the ultimate say. And that's what we desire. So God, I pray that you would help me. Father, as, as, as I'm going to be sharing things that, that I desire so desperately for them to be clear, Father, I pray that you would help me this morning. Help me to communicate the words and the things and the ideas that you have laid on my heart. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Proverbs 18, 20, and 21 is kind of a verse that we've kind of heard probably before, but I want to kind of break it down for just a second. I want to paraphrase a little bit about what this is really saying. And this is in your notes because I think this helps us as we move forward here. And so the first paraphrase is going to be in your notes, I said, and in verse number 20. And this is what it says. It says, the quality of your life will depend on the words that you speak. The quality of your life will depend on the words that you speak. That's, that's the first part of this proverb that, we, that God wants us to understand as we look at this verse. And also now in verse 21, then there's another truth that we need to understand this morning. And it's quite simply this. The tongue or our words has the power, have the power to bring life or death. Have the power to bring life or death. The quality of your life will depend on the words that you speak and the power that you have with your tongue and the words that you say can bring life or death. Now, I want to look at this a little bit differently than maybe you've heard before. Because we are going to talk really about, you know, the words we say to each other, but I want to kind of take this at a little bit of a different angle, okay? And I think this is important because and this is kind of the second part of this message, but, you know, why does this matter so much to God? We hear a lot about our words, the power of our words, but I'll be honest, we don't necessarily take heed to those things the way that probably God desires for us to do so. And I think we need to look at that. Now, listen, we're going to talk about the, the words we say to each other, but I want to focus right now on something that's very confusing for a lot of people, okay? And, and I'll be honest with you. Um, and, and, and I don't know how many times in, in 20 years of ministry that I've had questions over this passage of Scripture, okay? Um, and, and I think we need to look at this very closely. So I'm going to try really hard. You know I can talk really quick. I'm going to try really hard to slow down for a second. And we're going to look at this. We're going to look in Matthew 12. Now, in Matthew 12, it is a portion of Scripture that a lot of people have, have come to me with questions about and really fears about. This is the portion of Scripture where Jesus talks about the unpardonable or the unforgivable sin, okay? And I cannot tell you how many times I've had people, young and old, that have come to me almost in tears, fearful. Aaron, I think I've blown it. Aaron, I think I have gone too far. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean? I think I've committed the unforgivable sin. And I want to bring some light to these things. Because I think we can see what Jesus was trying to help us to understand if we'll do two things. One, we'll look at his statement within the whole context of the Bible. And we'll look at his statement in the context of Matthew 12. Because here's what tends to happen. This verse, this verse 12, basically verse 31 and 32, we'll get in just to us in a second. They read that verse and that's all they read. Okay, we forget sometimes that Jesus kept speaking. That there was a context of when Jesus used these words and it is important that we understand that. But we need to understand this concept of life and death being spoken in our words, not just to each other, but in our spiritual walk with God. So we're going to dive into this together. 
We're going to look at these things. I've always heard pastors say, I'm not going to preach now. I'm going to teach now. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't know the difference. So I'm just going to do the best I can to share some of these ideas that I feel God's placed on my heart to bring some clarity, to bring some peace, and to bring some hope into some people's lives. So let's look at this together. Matthew 12, verse 31 and 32. This is the verse a lot of times that I get brought to and, 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 and people read this verse and they go, I, I've, I've messed up, I've, I've done this, okay? I've blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. So let's look at this. It says, so I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, Every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. Now let's define what blasphemy is, because sometimes that can be a little confusing. Basically, blasphemy is basically using evil words, okay? Using evil words, evil speaking is really, as you translate it from some of the Greek words that were used, evil speaking. So really what this could say is this. So I tell you, every sin and evil speaking can be forgiven, except evil speaking against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or the world to come. So we read that scripture. A lot of times we have a, a difficult understanding of really what this understanding of blasphemy is, and we go, oh no, I've messed up because I've said bad things against, against God, against the Holy Spirit. I've done this. I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm, 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 I'm basically, I got nothing. I'm in, what do I do now? Almost kind of an attitude. And we have to stop for a second. And like I said before, realize that Jesus didn't stop speaking here. Okay? He didn't stop the verse. The chapter doesn't end and Jesus doesn't go home at this moment. He continues. So we're going to continue with Matthew 12, verse number 33. This is what Jesus says immediately following what I just read to you. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. Now, now, now that go, okay, okay, yeah, I get it, Aaron, fruit, tree. Uh, you know, wh what does this have to do with this unforgivable sin? Well, let me, let me break this down, let me tell you, because what Jesus is trying to give us here is an illustration, something we can picture and see, okay? So we need to understand what Jesus is meaning by giving us this illustration. What do these things mean? And this is in your notes, again, so we can really look at this. The tree represents the heart of the person, and the fruit represents the words a person speaks. Okay? The tree is the heart, the fruit is the words that come out. Okay? You say, Aaron, how, how do you know that? How, how do you know that's what Jesus is saying? Well, I, I had a kind of a little easy cheat sheet. Jesus basically says it in, in the following verses. So let's look at those together. Matthew 12, 34, and we're going to go through verse number 37. This is what he says, you brood of snakes. Now, in a moment, we'll talk about who the brood of snakes is. Okay? But you brood of snakes. Well, let's just stop. He's talking about the Pharisees, okay? We'll talk about why he's talking to the Pharisees about it in a moment, okay? But he's talking to the Pharisees here, and he says, how could evil men like you, speaking to the Pharisees, speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart, the tree, determines what you say, your words. Now, this is important. A good person produces or speaks good things from the treasury of a good heart and an evil person produces or speaks evil things from the treasury of an evil heart 
And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Okay? So Jesus here is speaking, and he's speaking specifically about the words that we say and the heart that is behind them. Let's break it down really simply. Basically, what Jesus is saying is simple. He's basically saying the words that you speak are simply a reflection of how your heart is. If your heart is good, you will speak good things. If your heart is bad or evil, you will speak evil things. That's kind of what he's saying to the Pharisees. He says, how, why would I expect you to say good, God-honoring things because your heart is bad? We have to remember that. We talk about how our words have power, and I don't want to jump ahead, but our words have power. They speak life and death. But we have to remember where the source of our words come from, and that's a heart that's either good or evil. And that's what Jesus is saying here. So, so he's having this conversation, but now we have to kind of step back, go back a couple of chapters, and see what's the context of Jesus even having this discussion. Okay, why is this even coming up in this moment? Okay, so we're going to jump back in Matthew 12 and we're going to start with verse number 22. Because something happens that leads to this exchange between the Pharisees and Jesus. And this is what it is. It says, then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? Okay, so in this moment, what has taken place is there's been a demon-possessed man, and Jesus has totally saved his heart. He's drove the demon out. He's made him be able to speak and, and, and see, and this is just a wonderful miracle. And the people are going, could this be the Messiah? Could this be God's son because of what Jesus has done? Okay, so now we move on to verse number 24, because now we see the Pharisees enter the picture to an extent. So they have heard what the people have said. Well, this guy could be the Messiah. This guy could be God's son. So this is their response to the amazing, wonderful miracle and the freedom that Jesus has brought to this individual with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit working in his life. This is what it says. But then the Pharisees heard about the miracle... They said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Okay? Now, when Jesus hears these things, he responds very firmly and very directly in this moment. He is not messing around right now. Because what he's basically saying is he looks at these Pharisees, Pharisees and he basically, in so many words, says, listen, you better be careful. Because what you are doing right now could send you to hell. This is important right now. This is an important thing. So what have the Pharisees really done? What have they, what have they, how have they crossed the line where Jesus is like, listen, if you don't get this taken care of, this will send you to hell. We have to take a step back, and this is where we're going to kind of use some, some scripture here to really help us understand. Jesus comes, and he is empowered by the Holy Spirit to perform these amazing miracles and do some amazing things. 
So through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, Jesus heals this individual. And when that happens, the Pharisees look at Jesus and in turn somewhat the Holy Spirit and say, you know what, you didn't do this, Satan did this. And they discredit the Holy Spirit. They speak blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. They speak evil words concerning the work, the goodness, the power of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, Jesus says, hey, you need to stop and realize something here. And not only in that moment, remember, does he talk about this concept of words, but even more so, he talks about this concept of heart. Now let's break this down even a little bit more. In John 16, Jesus tells us, and we know this from other passages of Scripture as well, that the Holy Spirit draws us to repentance. He brings conviction in our life. Now notice I didn't say the word condemnation. There is now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But the Holy Spirit brings conviction. When the Holy Spirit brings that conviction, we have a choice to make. And what I have found very clearly is the response in that moment to the leading, the drawing, the work of the Holy Spirit is our choice. And if our heart is good, we will accept that, we will desire that, we will be drawn into that, but if our heart is bad, we won't. And our words are usually, if not always, the response that comes out from either the accepting of the Holy Spirit's drawing or the rejection of the Holy Spirit's drawing. Words have the power, spiritually speaking as well, of life and death. And a lot of it comes from where our heart is. When Jesus looks at the Pharisees, here's basically what he's saying. He's saying, listen, your heart is hard. Your heart is evil. Therefore, because of that, you are going to speak evil things and reject the calling and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, I just want you to think about something for a second. I want to think about where we are spiritually speaking. Let's say that we, and maybe we'll even tone it down slightly so we can, you know, be okay. Because this would be pretty, pretty amazing. But let's say a blind person walked into our church this morning. And Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, worked and used, let's even say one of you, which would be an amazing, awesome thing, to pray over them and their eyes were opened. Blind person, now they can see. How would you respond to that? Because I would love to believe that every person on this planet would go, unbelievable, look at the power of God. God can do miracles. God took a blind man and now he can see. Unbelievable. You know what? But I know that's not the case. You know what people will say? Oh, it's just a trick. It's, it's a phony. I've never, I, that guy probably could see just fine. It's all a joke. I don't believe in that. What has been spoken is a reflection of not the miracle, not what God, the power of his Son and Holy Spirit have done, but a reflection of our hearts. And Jesus here is saying, you want to talk about what's unforgivable, that's what we're going to be dealing with. So let's continue. Because then the question that we have to look at is, again, we're looking at this concept of speaking death, 
But what is the concept that we need to speak life? How are we saved in that way? Look at Romans 10, verses 8 through 10. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but I just want there to be some clarity here. Romans 10, 8, this is what it says. Paul's writing. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. There it is again. We see this over and over again in scripture. This idea and this, this connection of heart and mouth. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. And then number nine, we, we've heard this a lot. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. And then we jump to verse 13. For anyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What are we seeing here? We're seeing once again that concept of our heart being changed, our heart having a transformation. And because of our heart being good, because of what God is doing in there, that our mouth speaks something that represents and reflects that. Okay? We're seeing this, we see this over and over. I could give you five or six more scriptures we don't have time for this morning that kind of give us this concept of heart and mouth. Okay? So, with that understanding, I'm going to say something I want to be extremely freeing and very hopeful and very special. And I speak this to every single one of you. You have not committed the unforgivable sin. And there are two reasons why I can say that. I'll give you two. One's enough, I'll give you two. Number one, the fact that you are here today. The fact that you are watching online, whether it's today or later on, show me and prove to me you have not committed the unforgivable sin. Why do I say that? Because you're seeking because you are, your heart may not be perfect, I understand that, but your heart is desiring the things of God. You want to learn more, you're on a journey to figure things out. Even if you don't know who Jesus is today, all you know him is a cuss word, you're here and you are seeking something. You're looking for something. What does that tell me? It tells me your heart is not the way the Pharisee's heart was. Because they experienced something amazing right in front of them that Jesus did through the work of the Holy Spirit. And they rejected it and instead said it was the enemy. So just the fact that you're here is one. And this one is also there. Number two, the fact that you are still breathing. Okay? As far as I know, everybody's still breathing this morning. Please, if you're not, please let us know. We will, we will handle that situation as quickly as possible. But as far as I know, you're all breathing, okay? And that's why I know you haven't. Because we need to understand something here. As long as you are breathing, there is still hope. As long as you are breathing, forgiveness is available to you, okay? Let me look at this with you together, and then we'll kind of bring this portion to a close. I know I've gone a little bit long, but I really think it's important that we understand this. Look at Hebrews 9. In Hebrews 9, verses 27 and 28, this is what it says. It says, after and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after 
that comes the judgment. You remember back in Matthew 12? You remember when Jesus speaks about this idea of forgiven and being forgiven and all those sort of things and all that, you know, all this thing? It says, at verse number 36, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day. When does the account have to be paid in full? When you stop breathing. This is what we are learning here. Okay, can we put that back up there, Monica? That'd be great. Thank you. After that comes the judgment. So Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. There's still hope because you're still breathing. God here, and what Jesus is saying, is something important that we need to understand. He is not saying that it is unforgivable while you're alive. But he is saying this, and let me, let me kind of bring this all to a close, and I'm going to try really hard to make this make sense as best I can. If your heart is bad, and you constantly reject the drawing of the Holy Spirit in your life, and God never changes your heart, gives you a new heart, saves you, remember, what happens here is spoken here in Romans 8. If that happens... You die without Jesus, and you are separated from God for all eternity. It is unforgivable because you've never really asked for forgiveness, because you've never identified or realized that anything was wrong in your life that you needed forgiveness for. But if your heart is good, if your heart has been changed by the power of God, in that moment, you are forgiven. And scripture tells us that you are forgiven from the east. Your sins are separated from you. So listen, as long as you're breathing, there is hope. But I, will, I need to turn that coin over. When you stop breathing, you've made your choice. And what Jesus is really communicating to the Pharisees is simple. He's saying the choice you are making is a reflection of your heart, which is bad. If you will let me change your heart, I will forgive you, I will bring new life into your heart, and give you a new start, and wipe away all the sin. It'll be gone. God says, I will remember their sin no more. It'll be gone. But it really depends on what's in your heart. If you die with a hard heart, with an evil heart, yeah, it's unforgivable because at that point it's too late. Here's the thing we need to understand. This is in your notes. This should show us how important our words are, not just to others, which we'll get to in just a moment, but to God. Our words have the power of life and death physically, emotionally, spiritually, and eternally. This is big. So, let, let's, let's kind of bring this together a little bit. Let's bring some application and close it out. Because I think it's important. We, we need to have some steps to go from a death speaker to a life speaker. You know what I found with a lot of people? 
People, you know, like they'll come to me and they'll like, man, I don't have, I, I, my relationships are rough. I don't have a, a lot of situation. You know, you know, I found, it's not all the time, but a lot of times I found that, that, that if you have a bad mouth, you probably have bad relationships. If you have a bad mouth, and I'm not saying, saying dirty, bad words, but I mean, you know what I'm talking about. If you, if you are constantly speaking death over your finances or over your marriage or over your children or over yourself, it brings death. It brings moments that are difficult. If you have a bad mouth, you'll probably have a bad marriage. If you have a bad mouth, you'll probably have a bad relationship with your boss or your employees or your teachers. And where does that come from? It comes from the heart. That's where all this is flowing out of. What Jesus says is from, from the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. It's all over Scripture. And it's so important because we see it over and over again. So let's look at some steps that we need to use and look at to get us there. Number one, this is the first one, and this is the most important by far. We have to let God change our hearts. Let God change our hearts. Listen, if you ask me today what my favorite scripture is, and it may change tomorrow, but it's been this one for a couple years now, it's Ezekiel, it's Ezekiel 36. I love this verse. Let's put it up on the screen. Ezekiel 36, 25 and 27. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. This is God speaking to us. And you will be clean. You're, go back there. We jumped ahead. Nope. No, you're okay. I don't have it in my notes up here. There it is. Perfect. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. You know, this is, I love 26. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender responsive heart and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations that is what we need that is what God wants to do in every single one of us he wants to take that old heart that hard heart that this that heart that basically speaks those blasphemy those evil words both to God both to his spirit both to his son both to the people around us and he wants to transform it into a new heart a sensitive heart a a tender heart, a heart that because it has been changed, now we can obey God's regulations. Now we can do what God's asked us to do. Unfortunately, what we try to do is we try to keep our old, stony, stubborn heart and do what God wants us to do, and it just doesn't work. And then we get frustrated, and we get bitter, and we don't understand why we aren't growing and what's going on, and we got to look at God and say, God, listen, first and foremost, i got to have you change my heart. And that's what he wants to do. You want to speak better words? You want to speak life? Let God change your heart. Maybe for the first time. Maybe it needs to be a kind of a, a renewing of your heart. But whatever you need, God is here and wants to do that in you. So that you can speak the words of life that God has called you to speak. Number two. A little bit different in this concept. But I want you, this, I think it's important. You need to learn your triggers. <laughs> You need to learn your triggers. We, we live in a society that talks a lot about triggers uh, in our world today. But let me explain to you what that means, okay? Not only do you need God to change your heart, but you need to understand a little bit more about yourself, okay? For some of us, we'll go to work all day, and it's a bad day, or it's a long day, or whatever, and we're frustrated, or things aren't going well, and, and, and we come home, and what do we do? 
First thing we do, we plop down and here comes Junior or here comes, you know, Sally or whoever might be coming up to us, our daughter or whatever. And they come up and we, and, and hey, Daddy, let me tell you about my day. And you're like, you know, can you just give me five minutes? And that child just, yeah, 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 Daddy, sure. Learn your triggers. Learn the moments where it's easier for you to speak death over life. And help those around you. Say, hey, you know what? You, you go to your husband or your wife. You know, when I get home from work, I, I need some time to decompress. I need some time to think. I need some, I need some time to rest. And I don't want to say words that are death. I don't want to say things that are mean. Can you help me and give me some time? We need to help each other in these things. Because speaking life or speaking death, I mean, these are powerful things. So please, can you do me a favor? Learn that about yourself. Because even though God is giving you a new heart and is changing you and transforming you from glory to glory, you're not there yet. We're still going to speak death at times. What God is wanting to do in us is for us to speak death less and less and less and speak life more and more and more. The final thing, choose beforehand to be an encouraging or encourager, not a discourager. Okay? If you wait till the moment, you're going to probably speak a little bit more death than life. You have to make a decision beforehand that I am going to speak life. I am going to speak life in this person. I'm going to be an encourager to this person. I'm not going to be the person who looks at people's dreams and say, you can never do that. That's impossible. That's not going to happen. I'm going to be the person that goes, you know what? With God's help, you can do that. With God's help, you can, you can accomplish those things. I'm going to be the, the person that looks at my husband or my wife or my kids or my parents or my boss or my teacher, whoever I come in contact with, and I'm going to be a life speaker. I'm I'm going to be a person that encourages them. I'm going to smile at them. I know what I'm asking is, is unbelievably difficult to do this. But you have no idea what that can matter to people. I want to tell you a story. I know I'm a little bit long. Oh, wait, before we do that, let's go to Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3.13. This is what it says. But encourage one another every other month. No? Okay, let me read it again. I, I, my eyes are a little weird. Let me, let me try it again. But encourage one another every other week. No? No? Okay, man, I gotta get my eyes checked. Um, um, but encourage one another every other once in a while. <laughs> Aaron, you're so silly. What do we do? Encourage every one another daily. And how long to do that? As long as it's called today. What does that basically mean? You're living, it's today, do it today. Find somebody to encourage today. And here's the thing, start, if you're married, start with the person that sleeps in the same bedroom as you do. And then go out from there. And if you've got kids that live in rooms in your house, then go encourage them. Start at home, okay? Start at home. But this was, says, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. 
I love verses where it basically says, listen, if you do this, if you will encourage people, that's awesome. Because if you don't, some stuff's going to happen. Listen, can I, can I just be blunt with you guys and honest? I'm going to be regardless of what you wanted me to do. But, you know, there are some people, and I, maybe I'll just go on from this side because I don't want to be negative. You know, there's some people in this church that, man, they're such an encouragement to me. I mean, it's like I just want to be around them. You know, because here's the thing. I'll speak, and some weeks I'll go, well, that was, that was okay. I, that was good. And there are other weeks that I'll go, oh, man, I'll be fired by Monday morning. What was that? You know how hard it is to be your pastor? And that has nothing to do with you. That has everything to do with me. And you know, there are people in this church that like, man, they'll walk up to me and they'll be like, man, pastor, that was a good message. And I'm like, I literally want to look at them and say, were you here this morning? But you know what? It feels so amazing. It's such an unbelievable encouragement. And then there are others, I'll just be honest, that it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm going to stay away a little bit. What are we speaking into each other's life? Are we speaking life or are we speaking death? I made a decision. I talk about this idea of making a decision beforehand. I made a decision with my son. And this was not my idea. I had a friend that, 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 that did it with, with his son or daughter. So I'm not... I'm not come up with this on my own, but I thought it was so good, and I made a decision early on. If the worship team wants to come up, I want to tell you about it, because it's just amazing to watch this moment. It, it, I love it when we see biblical truths that God has shown us come to life right in front of us. And everybody knows Easton. If you don't, he's my, he's my son. He's seven now, and I have have a habit with him. I don't do it every night, but I do it a lot of nights. We will we'll get together, and we do this every night. We'll, we'll come together, and after he's got his teeth brushed, and he's ready, he's ready for bed, he's got his jammies on, we'll come together, and we'll pray. He and I will pray together, and we'll be there. We pray, and then we read um, the Bible together, and then we also read a story that we've been looking at, you know, that he enjoys, and, and after that, the, the lights go off, and <clears throat> And I usually say goodnight first, and then Em will come in. If she's not already there, she'll come in and say goodnight. And I'll, I'll give Easton a hug, and I'll kiss him, and he'll kiss me on the cheek, and I'll kiss him on the cheek and give him a hold. And, and I'll look at him, and I'll, I'll say basically somewhat these words. Easton, out of every boy in this world, you're my favorite. You're my favorite Easton. What am I doing in that moment? Not only am I speaking life into my son, but I'm speaking God's words into my son. I am aligning myself with Scripture and what God has spoken over my son. And I have simply repeated it. I've had so many people say, well, I, I want to be positive. I want to speak life. What, what do I speak? What, what are the things that I speak? It's simple. What does God say about you? You see, why do I say to my son he's my favorite? Because you know what? Easton is God's favorite. Because Easton is loved by his father, both his earthly and his heavenly. 
Yeah, and there are times where I get frustrated, and there are times where I look at him, and it's like, you know, I say, I, I speak death. And he just, you just watch it, just physically, emotionally, just. But listen, when I tell him those words, you, it's, it's like his whole chest just. I am my dad's favorite. First and foremost, do you know that God speaks that over you? You are his favorite. He loves you so much and gave his son for you. And Jesus is still speaking words over us. You realize that? Where's Jesus right now? He's at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. What's he doing? He's speaking life over his kids. He's speaking life over his sons and daughters. He's speaking life over us. He's still doing it. The power of life and death. Listen, you can't control what people will do to you, but you can control the words you speak over them. You've got to decide beforehand. It was something I decided before I even knew Emily was pregnant. I want to be a life speaker. I want you to be a life speaker. Listen, this world has got enough death speakers, okay? We're, we're at our quota. And I'm sorry to say, in the church and out of it, we need some life speakers. And that's what God's called us to do because God has changed our hearts. So I want to do this. Let's, can we just close our eyes? I know I've gone a little bit long and, and I apologize, but th I, this was important this morning. Not that they're not other important, but I really want to take some time, okay? But I want to ask you a couple questions. First and foremost, have you allowed God to change your heart? Are you trying to live this life with a heart that quite honestly is opposed to the things of God. Because here's the thing, we looked at it in Proverbs, the quality of your life will be dependent on the words you speak, and now we can take it one step further. And the words you speak will be dependent on the type of heart that you have. God wants to give you a new heart. God wants to change your heart so that you can accept Jesus as we looked at in Romans because he wants to change it so that the words of your mouth can confess and be a result of what's happened in your heart. So for those that are here, those that are online, listen, I, I, there's no way I'm going through all this and not giving people an opportunity to accept Jesus. And here's what's happening, I believe, possibly here and online is the Holy Spirit, like we talked about, is, is drawing you. It's, he's bringing conviction into your heart. This isn't to make you feel bad or guilty. God doesn't work that way. It is there to draw you to Jesus, draw you to his love, draw you to his forgiveness, and draw you to a choice. Here is your choice that the Holy Spirit is drawing you to. You can accept Jesus, his love and his forgiveness of your sin, of your mess-ups. He can make you brand new and begin a transformation process. Save you from eternity without Him. 
and begin to transform your life. That's choice number one. Choice number two is you can keep doing it on your own. You can keep doing it on your own and try to live this life without him. But I want you to hear my voice as clearly as I can say it. Right now, you're still breathing. But you may not be later. And I don't say that to scare you. I just say that because that is what the word of God tells us. Life is but a vapor. You do not have tomorrow promised to you. You have a choice today. And so whether you're online or you're here this morning, I'm going to ask a simple question. Will you choose to let Jesus change your heart today? Will you choose a brand new heart? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to do the hokey pokey. I just want to know so I can pray with you and for you. And again, I know online it's a little different. It's a little harder. But for those that are here, if that's you, can you just, again, nobody's looking around. It's not between you and them. It's between you and the Father. Can you just raise your hand? Is there anybody here? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We had a, we had, yeah, we're, that's awesome. Thank you, Father. And I'm trusting, I'm even believing that there are people online right now, whether they're watching this today or another time, that also raise their hands. So here's what we're going to do, okay? We're going to pray, and I'm going to ask every individual to pray after me, okay? Every single one of you, okay? You say, Aaron, I, I accepted Jesus 50 years ago. That's awesome. Pray with us, okay? Will you do that? Okay? Pray with us this morning and, and repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Today, I choose you. I choose a new heart. I choose that you would come Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I am now your child. I'm not going to walk alone ever again. I believe in my heart. Come on, pray with me, folks. I believe in my heart. There you go. And I now confess with my mouth that you are Lord, you are my Savior, you are my God, and I am your child. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, for those that prayed that prayer, right in this moment, number one, God has gave you a new heart. Scripture tells us that in that moment that you've been changed. In that moment. Now you may look and you go, well, I look the same. Now I'm not talking about the physical. I'm talking about the spiritual. God has saved you. And is working in you. But for those that maybe, hey, I've I've accepted Jesus, but you know what? We need to sharpen our words a little bit. We need to be a little bit more aware. We maybe need to look God and say, you know what, God, there's some areas of my heart. There, there's some good areas, but there's some areas where some stuff has kind of crawled in. I need to get fixed. 
Remember, your words aren't going to change until your heart changes. And he wants to change your heart. And so maybe that's you. You, you have areas where you need to look at those things. We're going to pray in just a moment that God would also come and help us in those areas. But I want you to ask you a favor. I want you to identify them. Okay, remember I talked about knowing your triggers? Because some of you, things have been spoken over you and because you have not got the healing that God wants to do in your life, there is hardness and there's bitterness in your heart and you're speaking from that place of hurt and you're speaking death over others or over yourself. And that needs to stop. And it stops by allowing God to do a complete healing in your heart. To, to cut away that hard part and bring forth a heart of life. But you have to identify. And I know for some of you that might be hard and difficult, but it's crucial to the healing that God wants to do in you. So I want you to identify that area. Maybe it has something to do with what John was talking about earlier, a parent or, or someone else speaking death over you. And God's saying, you know what? I have something different to say. And we listen to what God has to say over us because God made us, God gets to call it over us. So whatever that is, I want to pray with you and over you. All right? Father, we love you and we come to you right now. And God, first of all, thank you for those that have accepted you this morning, that turned from death to life. But Father, for those they maybe have done that, but, but something was spoken over them. A, a word of death was spoken, and there's an area of their life that is a graveyard, that is a dead area. God, you want to, to heal, you want to work, you want to change, you want to make something that's hard as a rock into something very, very tender. And God, right now, as we acknowledge that to you, as we acknowledge our need for that to be ratified and fixed in us, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would bring healing into that place. Father, for us that are speaking death over our finances or our marriage or our family or, or what ourselves, God, I pray in the name of Jesus we would stop and we would allow you to fix in our heart those areas so that our words would be different. And only you can do that. So we look to you. We lean on you. And we know you have the power to do it. We know you have the power to do it. So, Father, we love you and we thank you. So good. You're so good. Hallelujah, Father. Thank you, God. Mm. Thank you, God. Mm. Can we all do something a little different this morning? Let's all stand. Normally at this point we have the worship team come and I thought we were going to have them sing a song, but we're going to just have them play this morning. But I want to, I want to, I want to speak over you. I want to, I want to, I want to speak life over you as your pastor before we go. Okay. And I really feel like this is what God is, is asking us to do in this moment. Because for some of you, you've had pastors speak death to you. And I want to speak life. Maybe I 
unintentionally have spoken death. And if I have, I apologize. I'm sorry. Forgive me. But right now, I want to speak life. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, as we close our service this morning, right now in the name of Jesus, I just proclaim life over you. I proclaim a new heart over you. I proclaim healing over you in your body and in your heart and in your mind and in your spirit. I proclaim that you are a son and a daughter of the King. You are His favorite. He loves you with an unending love. His mercy is good and great and He extends it to you. You are forgiven. You are His. You belong to the Father. And He loves you. He has great plans for you. His purposes for you are good. He is faithful to you. He will continue to bless. He will continue to move. He will continue to discipline. He will continue to change you from glory to glory. You belong to Him. Do not allow the words of people to cloud your understanding of who your Father has called you to be. You have dreams, you have visions, and with God's help, you will accomplish everything He has set out for you to do. Whatever your hands find to touch, He will bless, He will use for His glory, for His kingdom, and people will come to know you, know Him because of what you are doing. You can accomplish anything with the help of your Father. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Right now, in this moment, with all your imperfections, with all the things you say and do wrong, you have not been, you're not committing an unforgivable sin. Forgiveness is yours. And you have been washed clean. Although your your sins were as red as scarlet, they are now white as snow. And He loves you more than you could even dream of. And the things He has prepared for those who love Him will blow your mind. And so this morning, Father, we accept those words of life into our heart, into our mind, and we allow those things to change us from the inside out. We love you. We thank you. You're so good. You're so good. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Oh, thank you, Father. Man, it's so great that you are here this morning. For those that are online, we love you. We miss you. Remember, we have prayer on Wednesday. I love you guys so much. I'll talk to you soon.